0: just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011.
1: We're going through a series uh, in the next few weeks on financial planning and all the different aspects of financial planning that we deal with on a regular basis. And uh, today we're talking about tax planning. And part, part of, of this it, is so much fun. The yeah, tax
0: planning <laughs> plan is like watching, yeah. like what, paint drive.
1: People <laughs> just threw up. <laughs> no, tax planning, I think, can be really interesting and, and delightful for folks when they get money back, when they right. say, hey, taxes, I know I have to pay them, but man, I don't have to pay as much. And I kind of want to start with the difference between tax planning, which is what I think is great, and then tax preparation, in, which in is tax,
0: what- And tax planning is really in our, in our wheelhouse. I mean, yeah. that's are we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what a client can do what are the different things that he can add to their their life, right? Mm-hmm. And then we sit down and work work with this the preparation, yeah. The tax, the tax. The tax
1: preparation is usually done by someone's uh, CPA or enrolled agent or tax preparer. They're the one who you know puts pen to paper and says, based on t- this year's current laws, here's what we want to fill out your taxes for. Um, tax planning is usually a much larger view of saying, you know, what are you going to do this year and next year, the third year and the fifth right. year, in order to make this really pay the, pay your appropriate taxes, but not overpay. So a good example, I I think that we can start with is tax preparation. So people are right now they're in tax season. They're, they're going through their own taxes. There's, there's an article that we've read. And I think is really useful is saying, should a married couple file as jointly married? Mm -hmm. That's how most of them do it, which is most common. Yeah. That's very common or to file married filing separately, which is, which is not the norm. It's not and And this, I mean, just to Preface the beginning. This is not a, a a choice that we would make for a client. We would raise the issue and we talk through it. But it's really the tax preparer for this year who would, in essence, prepare two returns, mm-hmm. compare them, and see which one's actually going to be better, and, and help advise the client to make that filing choice. What well, we have to be is aware of the circumstances yes. so it, that we can say this might be
0: something that you might want to consider yeah. this year, but we need to bring in the CPA to get a second opinion yeah. on that.
1: And the example he used in this article of when this comes up is there was someone who. Uh, both spouses were working, had good incomes, uh, but one spouse had significant debt. But they were the the, the key it was is it, employ- it was education debt, and the key was he was on a program, a government program that said if you work for a, a government agency for I think it was ten years, yeah. a number of years, you'll pay out a per- percentage of your income, and then after you've done that for a number of years, the rest of your loans are forgiven. So right. so it's one of these good government programs for loan forgiveness, and he was in that. Well, he, they realized if they filed jointly. Then the program would consider both of their income. Right. And so it was a much larger payment amount. Whereas if they filed married but separately, then the program would only look at his income and assess his payments based on his income and then would forgive it. So for them, there was a benefit of doing that. The other side is you lose a number of um, benefits when you're married, even, even just the tax brackets. You know, right. If you're filing separately, you're in much quickly yeah, I mean, elevating and, tax bracket.
0: Yeah, I've had, um, I mean, divorce couples. I mean, people that are heading towards divorce, but they're still married. Mm. So they want to file separately. We've had, we've had some serious conversation with clients uh, saying, this is going to hurt you if you file separately. It may be better for you to file jointly, but sometimes it just doesn't, they can't re- they can't agree.
1: Yeah, and there's even some liability issues. If you're right. filing jointly, you're responsible for what your partner is filing and right. they, what they're asserting to the IRS. And so there's been, similarly, in a divorce situation to say, yeah, I, I just don't know that I want to be tied to that. I don't trust my spouse. Yeah, right. And that's probably line. the whole reason for the divorce. Right? <laughs> right. But we're in the process of separating, and I want my financial situation to be separate. So that's one item, you know. and that's just, I think, a good example of, as, as financial advisors, we would talk to clients about this type of thing, but we're not going to be the ones preparing the return. We're not going to be the ones making that final choice. It's, it's simply something to bring up with their CPA. But similar to that, I mean, there's there's things that we talk about of, you know, what electric vehicle discounts are available this year, mm-hmm. or what is the standard de- deduction this year? We know those and we talk about those, but ultimately that's something that we want to push our clients towards their CPA. There's some CPAs that we work with uh, weekly that mm-hmm. we're doing this, you know, on behalf of the client, that we're the ones interfacing with their with their tax preparer. Um, but those rules change kind of every year and they need to be filed in such a way. So the... The more fun, I think, is is the bigger view is right. to say, let's do some tax planning. And and probably the 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 biggest one that most people can relate to is a, a retirement account. Right. So say if your work offers you a 401k or some sort of a other plan, the, the planning is how much do I put in today and avoid the taxes? Yeah, uh, and I say avoid, I really mean defer the taxes. <laughs> I, I don't get taxed on what I put into my 401k today, but then I come back. 30 years from now, when I retire, and that money has grown, it's developed, and and now it's taxable. So you've shifted it. Right. And there's
0: different kinds of plans. Like, for example, a 401k, you can't just write a check at the end of the year and put your money into a 401k Mm -hmm. to do a catch up. Mm -hmm. You have to do it on payroll deduction. So you want to work with the client and make sure that they are putting in the maximum they can contribute. For sure, if a company is doing a match, you want to make sure that they're putting enough money to get the match, but also they cross a certain age they can increase their contribution amounts. So a lot of times people are just not aware of that. And payroll, the people in human resources aren't gonna notify and say, oh, by the way, you just crossed an age, you could increase your contributions by 7,000 a year or whatever it is. They're not gonna do that. And, but on those kinds of plans, you know, 401ks, 403b, some of those, they could only be put in there by payroll deduction. Mm-hmm. Whereas other kinds of plans, for example, uh, set plans and solo 401ks, you could wait. In yeah. fact, you set up the plan and you don't contribute to it until next year, yeah. but it still counts for the year back. So there's different kinds of structures, yeah.
1: right? And it depends, for us, it depends greatly on the client. And for people listening, it depends on their, like, if you own a business, right, you have a lot of options of what you can do. And some are good, some are bad, but you have options. If if you're working at, for an employer and you get like a W-2, your options are usually what what they provided you, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the company has set up, but you have within your own structure. So the the planning, the idea would be, you know, say you're making you know $100,000 now, and you want to have $500,000 or $500 different that you could do something with. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just took it as regular income, you would be taxed on it on top of that five hundred, the $100,000 you're already making. So it's it gets taxed fairly high. If you put it into your retirement, let it go for 30 years, so ignore the money, but then after you've retired, your income has now gone to zero. Say you're not making anything. Well, now to take that same $500 out. The taxes are very minimal, so you've right. you've deferred the taxes into a season in which you have a much lower tax bracket, and that is, in my mind, the essence of tax planning. You're, you're appropriately right. paying everything you owe, however, you've you've elected to move some of that income into a period when it's nicer to have it. So. That in my mind, that's kind of the quintessential. Yeah, aspect. I think I think
0: some little catches, for example, some things that have happened. You know, 70 and a half used to be the year that you could take your required minimum distribution. Mm. They've now moved that up to 73 and even up to 75, but they've left 70 as the age in which you can make a charitable contribution from yeah. your IRA and have it deducted. So it there's some there's some differences and some nuances yeah. that you have to be aware of what you can do where it has more, you know, what, you know, the impact, where it's not, right? Yeah.
1: And I, I think the interesting part of this whole industry, you know, um, you know be, me shifting from law a number of years ago into um, now doing financial advising, um, there's a lot that people don't know. And right. They don't know they don't know. Um, and when you Google it, you don't just, you know, find out what you're looking for. You get this tidal wave of stuff that may not apply. But for someone who is, you know, in your example, charitably minded, they want to give, they've realized that they're... Their assets are more than they need. Right. You know they're going to make it through retirement. They have excess. They can give generously, and they're they've reached the age seventy. It was like, huh. I want to give some money. Often our clients think first. I'm going to reach into my cash, my right. wallet, and I'm going to give. And there's that's that's probably like number four <laughs> on on how you should be giving at that right. point. Right. Um, there are better options, and the one you mentioned is if you can take a distribution from your retirement, which will lower your RMDs in the future. You can have it. Bring down your income if you're at RMD age, and you can give it directly. and that that's a great way to give. Another way is a, a appreciated stock. If you had appreciated stock, it's much more efficient to give that appreciated stock and get the fair or value. even
0: real estate. Anything that so has a, Anything has a capital appreciation yeah. that you've held for a long time. And this is, I mean, this is, I mean, this is kind of estate planning. But you made a comment earlier. Uh, we were talking
1: um you don't want to have deathbed giving oh it's the worst it It is the worst right right. of of stocks or i mean a house would be the the biggest one i have this rental property i've owned it for 30 years i'm I'm late in life i'm kind of on my deathbed i want to give it to my daughter let me just sign a deed Mm -hmm. and well in doing that you give them your tax basis so if if you bought it 30 years ago you have all this capital gain tax that you might have to pay if you ever sell it if you gift it during your life they take on all that Mm -hmm. that you just gave to them whereas that same deathbed situation if you simply make a trust and you know have it go to that same person through mm-hmm. through your estate and you pass away at your death, you get a step up in basis, meaning that cost basis you had that was so low goes all the way up to the current fair market value. And all those potential taxes, had you sold it, they disappear. Mm-hmm. And so your loved one who is now inheriting this property, they get it free of any built-up capital gain taxes. It's it it's a massive change, you know, even though it may have only been a couple of days, say, you know, deathbed versus a few days later. It's massively different in your taxes, and and that's the type of stuff that that we get excited about. Of mm-hmm. you know, me with my background being an attorney, we can do the estate planning to say, okay, how do you want these assets to get to the next generation? And then in your life while you're still alive, how do we want to plan out your own estate and, and your own income stream uh, to make sure that you're doing this efficiently? So, uh, yeah, I, I, I get excited. I,
0: I get. I mean, we're bouncing around talking about different aspects of tax planning. And i think i think what's what really becomes the weight here is there is no simple easy way yeah. particularly for people in business or investors people that have accumulated some wealth or have complexity in their life that is that is more than just straightforward yeah and there's just a lot of avenues and there's a lot of decisions to be made what is the best and how that all works out
1: for you? Yeah. Right? And there's some tax preparers that I really enjoy working with that they are thoughtful and proactive in saying, right. this is what we're going to do next year, or this is what we're going to do two years from now. I would say a lot of them, though, part of the number of returns they're having to file each year, they're being reactionary to what happened this year, what the yeah, current law says, what yeah. you did. And, and we have clients that they just are so frustrated at times when they say, Wow. Okay. This is what you did. Hey, you could have done this before the end of the year, but you didn't, but after the fact, and then they are sad about it. So uh, we'll we'll take a break in a moment and go to our next section where we'll talk through some of these just key items. But I I think your point is really well said that, that this tax stuff isn't um, something you want to go alone. It's something you want some advice on and to know, okay, here's my goals. Here's where I'm headed. Let's do a a multi-year structured plan that gets me tax efficiently to what i want to want to get to and these tax laws they change every year we're all constantly trying to stay up on this stuff and
0: it, it, it is it's a dynamic of education that moves constantly and you know you got to be careful what the uh, the big gorilla on the horizon is doing because they're the ones that can hurt you i'm talking yeah. about the irs by the <laughs> yeah <way. laughs>
1: right 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 the irs who just hired so many more agents that hopefully will get through backlogs and be efficient what they're doing but you're right I mean, no one no one often appreciates an audit um, and but if you've followed and done things appropriately, I mean, it shouldn't be a fearful thing. You're right, it's a process, not a fearful right. thing. So we're going to take a break. We'll come back in a few minutes. Um, stay tuned.
0: You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888 627 8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Clearing through TD Ameritrade member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.
1: AM590, the answer. Welcome back. We are talking about tax planning versus tax preparation. We're going to take a little bit dive. The last section, if you missed it, you can catch it on YouTube. We can kind of go through this stuff. Um, But the The next section we're going to talk about is a little deeper dive in some of the specifics of things that we plan either you know year to year or just overall. Um, And one to kind of start with is just a caveat, I guess, with the the standard deduction. Right. So when when people give charitably, they can take a deduction for that. When they have, they can itemize. They can can itemize, take a deduction when they when they uh, have interest on a home loan. They can take that as a deduction. There's a number of deductions that people take each year, but they only take the deductions if they're itemizing. And standard deductions have have changed over time, um, but currently they're they're fairly high for a married couple, and they're over twenty thousand. That if there's a number of folks who don't need to itemize, they can just take the standard deduction yeah, I mean, and it, move on. I mean, it varies. I mean, if you have a mortgage
0: going into retirement, and let's say you have two thousand dollars a month in interest payments, uh, you're in you're in a, that situation, and then you do charitably, all of a sudden you can exceed the standard deduction married by twenty seven thousand dollars. Pretty quickly, yeah. You you're limited nice. on California. You're 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 given only ten thousand dollars for some of these, you know, yeah. property taxes and interest expense. So it really changes now. If you're seventy and above, uh, I would say if you're an RMD age in particular, mm-hmm. you can use um, charitable giving, charitable qualified deductions. Again, it's all this interplay, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's taking your age, your circumstances, your you're charitable. How do we? You have, you've got appreciated assets. We can take all those factors into account. Yeah, uh, helping with the preparation or the planning side. Of yeah,
1: it. the planning side where it meets preparation. One piece that's you know just as a, a caveat to say, some people are just taking the standard de- deduction. The majority of folks that we're working with are you know giving more. They're right. having more interest payments. You know they're making these these larger deductions, so they want to itemize. Um, a, a big piece that we always keep an eye on is that the tax law changes, and for twenty twenty three. There's not as many changes as there, there could have been. Um, in prior years, especially the COVID years, there was all sorts of changes. You know, a lot of tax preparers have been scrambling. But for 2023, there's not a lot of changes. But I want to put a caveat for everyone. 2025 is, it does it, change. is bringing up some potential changes. So the biggest one that that, that I see as an estate planning attorney um, is the estate gift. So right now, folks don't pay estate tax. If I mean, right
0: now, I mean, the the gift for 2022 I mean, we're talking over in a household, we're talking over $24 million. $24 million. So $25 million if you're in 2023. Yeah.
1: yeah. So for this year, 2023, if someone passes away, if their total estate, you know, their, their houses, their investment accounts, all that stuff is under $25 million, roughly. If they're under $25 million, they're not paying estate tax. they I'm really thinking about it. It, it. It's an easy thing. If, if they're above that number, then they're gonna start paying estate tax. And estate tax is roughly 40%. So it's a big right. bite. Um, so for most people, it's fine. And it's been like that for a number of years. However, that those very large rates they sunset in twenty twenty five, and before that, you know, it jumped up to twelve initially. It was down at five, um, you know, five. And if you're a married couple, say ten million. I'm not sure what it would be in in adjusted, but say roughly ten million. It's still a very large number for a lot of folks. But if you mm-hmm. own a few pieces of real estate in California, if you have some good retirement accounts, business interests, if you have a business, it, 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 it's pretty easy to blow right past that number because your estate is is a <laughs> it's a big thing. It includes all all your stuff, and there's specific rules of what goes in, what stays out. And that's you know technical, but but the general idea that that for tax planning for the last uh, number of years, recent years, has been fairly easy for a lot of folks. They just say we're under 25 million, no exotic planning is needed moving forward. Oh, yeah. Whereas if this the, these estate plan, estate tax rules don't change in 2025, if they aren't extended, I guess I should say then there's gonna be a lot of folks that need to look at their estate again. And that's a planning issue in my mind. It's, it's yes. not a tax prep for the year. Right. It's, it's a planning to say, I know I have these assets. I know I want them to get them to these people, you know, my, my kids or these charities, whoever they may be. How do we do that? Do we do it now? Do we you know, make it a revocable trust and burn your exemptions today? Some people will be doing that. I anticipate if this 2025, it doesn't look like it's gonna be extinct. And again,
0: I, I think the the, the probability that 2025 is going to extend mm. what's on the books right now. I, I think you'd have to see a change politically, both House and Senate. There would have to be an executive branch mm. that leans towards extending those con, those uh, deductions, yep. for those dollar amounts. The chances of that happening by 2025, I wouldn't want to bet my life on it. Mm.
1: Right. Yeah. Where we'll be in 2025. It's an interesting question. So the other one that I think is a really big one for planning. We talked about little in the first part is uh, real estate. We talked about in the first section that you get a step up in basis at death. But the other thing that I want to bring it back to today um is this idea of cost segregation. We've we've not spoken a lot on the radio about it.
0: Yeah, and it it's a pretty um, how do you say this this is where you're gonna need help alongside it? Yeah. Because this is not something you just all of a sudden check a box and take it. It, it it's much more involved. In yeah, it,
1: there's so. a number of reports you need. And so the general idea of cost segregation is if you had purchased a real estate, purchased a house and done a lot of renovations, you would flip, you're looking to flip it, say right. You've done a lot of renovations, you've done a number of things. And then instead of flipping it, you say, you decide, no, I'm going to keep it. This is a great house. It's a great rental. Right. Let's keep it for the next foreseeable future. So if, if you're in that situation, um, often you would say, well, this is a home. I can depreciate it amongst 29 and a half years. That, that's how long I'm going to depreciate this property. And that gives you a little bit of depreciation each year. Well, my understanding with cost segregation, the one that we worked on with these, is they'll take all those improvements and they'll segregate them into what is a fixture part of the property that needs to be depreciated over 29 and a half years. And what can be depreciated today? What yeah. can be expensed? and what that does for some people, say you've you know, bought a house, you've put a significant amount of money into it to redo it well if if you're able to expense say sixty thousand dollars of those improvements today as as lowering your taxes, there's a lot of folks who their minds just kind of explode to say i can, I can cover other income for sixty thousand dollars worth of depreciation so,
0: so let's kind of let's kind of kind of talk about the significance of that so yeah. if you do that over twenty nine years something that you put on for let's say twenty thousand dollars you're looking at an annual deduction of what a thousand yeah less than than a thousand less than a thousand whereas if we can do cost segregation and bring that forward you can get almost the full amount. Yeah, of yeah
1: maybe you get $18,000 year this year to cover it. And that makes that that chunk to say, well, I put in $20,000 to fix it and I get a tax deduction for 18 this year right. is significant for most right. for many people. And so that, that's one of those taxing that most folks don't know exists. And But if you wanted to do that, it's not a, like you said, it's not a check the box. Hey, that thing across, you have to do a cost segregation study. So it right. has to look at what you paid to it. That, that costs some money. You have to have a, a financial, uh, a, a tax preparer that understands this but the outcome can be significant. So clients that we have that are engaged in real estate, you know, buying real estate, um, uh, fixing up houses, renting them out, right. it's something we wanna make sure that is discussed and even planned for.
0: Yeah, and so people, I mean, obviously, if you have higher income, people that have income of 250, $500,000 a year, and they're trying to figure out how do I shelter some of this income? Now, again, if you basically accelerate the depreciation into a very short period of time, like one year or two years or whatever, uh, you're not going to get that that long-term uh depreciation over right. you're what, what you're doing is you're moving everything forward yeah, into yeah. those few years. But that might be a significant right. event for
1: you. Well, for and, and just as a, a general comment, for someone who has high income now but is planning to retire, you know, if they can shift some of their income forward, like through a 401k, right. and they can bring back some of their future depreciation through say cost segregation. You know they've taken high periods and low periods and maybe leveled out their lifetime taxes and kept themselves in lower right. rates. And that, it depends, You know, for every person, right? It always depends right. what the plan is. It but, always depends. But that's the idea of planning to say, how are we looking at our holistic, our whole life and being strategic in how and when we take our taxes? Um, and there's other things that are, you know, I'm not saying it's free money, but like a, a Roth, you put money into a Roth, well, that growth that, that occurs from the day you put it in till you take it out, is "quote unquote" free growth? Like, it, it, there's some benefits.
0: Yeah, right? and we've got some clients that are using backdoor roths. Yeah, and I think that's that's becoming more significant, particularly in this new tax law they just passed, or secure 2.0. Yeah, they left backdoor roth alone. I thought for sure they would eliminate yeah. that, but they didn't.
1: And right. that's that's an interesting uh, juncture. I right, guess. And they've made the, the newest piece I think is brilliant, which you know um, I, I think we've, we've talked to clients with this in a while is at the end of a Roth. Uh, or sorry, at the end of a 529 account, do you save for college for your kids? They don't use it all, right? And it was your last kid and you're not sure what to do with it. Well, there, there's abilities now to roll that into a Roth for your kid. And wow, to, to set up a Roth for a 23-year-old who just came out of college, they've got $10,000 in a Roth and then let that grow, grow and be invested until their retirement. What a great benefit you know, sure. the parents are providing. For um, sure. So you know, we'll continue this series of kind of talking to different financial planning topics kind of week by week. Um, you know, last time we, we talked about what's the difference between a broker and a investment advisor and a wealth manager. Today we're talking a little bit on taxes. Say what's the difference between tax planning and kind of tax preparation? Correct. And in future weeks, as we go through, you know, stay tuned. We're going to try and touch on all these uh, these items to kind of give a sense of, you know, why you might want a financial advisor, why you might want might not want one, right. and kind of getting that as a as a baseline for everyone as they understand this industry.
0: Yeah. Until next week, folks. May you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. California license number 0518567 and Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through tri Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm.